The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. How's it going? Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of the episode. Now it's time to hear part two of my chat with Katie Piazza Leslie. So, Katie, how long were you living with type 1 diabetes before your brother Nick was diagnosed? So I had diabetes. Gosh, that's a guy should know that off the top of my head. I guess it was about 14 years um, that I had it, 14, maybe 16. Shoot, I don't know. He was 22 when he was diagnosed. So um, I guess about yeah, maybe about 12 years I had it. Um, so yeah, that, that was a, a huge shock to me when I found out my brother, when he was 22 was diagnosed with type one, because I, I didn't even know another person with type one and then my brother gets it. So that was a huge shocker to me. (laughs) And how did you find out? Did you see the signs and symptoms yourself? Did he almost know or how did you, you, know, you hear the news? Yeah, so it, he was actually on a trip with my dad in my in Lake Tahoe, and my dad recognized the symptoms. He uh, he was really thirsty, had to go to the bathroom a lot, and my dad luckily just kind of knew right away, and went to an urgent care, and same thing, he was diagnosed right away, and I remember, you know, him calling me, and I. I just, I thought he was kidding. I mean, I thought, oh, yeah, right. I mean, he was, I mean, we had, we had such a good relationship, you know, and I, I just thought, oh, you know, what a jerk he's saying, you know, he has, you know, type one. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> but it was true, you know, and I just, I couldn't believe it. And um, I remember just explicitly him saying, I cannot believe that my little sister has had it this long you know, and you've been doing all of this. And I just really had no idea what you had been doing this whole time. So very profound moment. I'm sure he had a, a lot more respect for you knowing the detail that it entails. Getting I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So how do you feel, Katie, did you, did you and Nick's relationship change much after he was diagnosed? You know, I wouldn't say that it changed because we just grew up so close and really, you know, are just the best of friends. I mean, so there that part didn't change at all. It was almost like 
we just had something else in common, but it was such a big thing, you know, that it almost, it almost, you know, it, this sounds so strange maybe, but it almost just made sense that like, okay, now we can help each other because I really just felt for so long, no one had any idea, you know, what, how I was feeling or what I thought or kind of how I did everything that I did, but it almost became just this instant, other connection and we just unloaded you know all of our thoughts and frustrations and um you know ideas and we actually ended up having this tradition that I mean it sounds kind of crazy but we were always so frustrated about you know the cost of everything and um how frustrating it was really that you know we could go to the pharmacy and have to spend all this money, you know, just to keep ourselves alive. Right. Because you absolutely have to have it. And he ended up moving to Minnesota and I was still in California. So we just had, you know, different environments and different situations. He didn't have insurance at a certain time in his life. And, you know, talking about, kind of comparing notes, right? And after every time we would go to the pharmacy, one of us would call each other and be like, oh, how much was your bill today? And oh, I can't believe it, you know, and and kind of joke about it, but vent to each other. And um, it really just was one of those things, though, that I almost in a guilty way felt relieved, you know, that, oh my gosh, I have someone else to talk to and it's Nick, you know, it's it's him. I I can tell him anything, you know? And, um, I, I remember feeling guilty about that, but at the same time, we were kind of a good resource for each other. So I would hope that was helpful. And it was certainly helpful to me in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having somebody in your corner like that is only going to have a massive benefit on your bloods and even just the mental side of, dealing with diabetes all the time a hundred percent yeah I mean I I don't think I'd ever talked about it as much as I did to Nick in I I would say my whole life of type one you know I talked to him about it in about a couple hours you know because I Mm -hmm. just was able to tell him everything and he knew what I was talking about um and that was that was something that I didn't ever, certainly didn't ever think would happen, but it sort of became one of those things that we were, you know, strong for each other. And I think that that was definitely life-changing for me. You mentioned, Katie, about how you'd kind of compare bills in the pharmacy. And I know it's in no way funny at all, but it's funny that you had that sort of kind of tradition or game that you would do together. Yes, yes. I mean, I say it was funny. Yeah, it might not be, but... (laughs) Not actually funny. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Katie, for anyone who doesn't live in America, who's listening right now and even living in Ireland, we get... So there's something called the long-term illness scheme where basically we get all our insulin for free. Right, yes. But for anybody who isn't really aware of what, the sort of insulin costs are in the States. What kind of bills were you and Nick seeing? Oh gosh. Um, certainly. I mean, for, I remember one of my bottles of insulin, long story short, I 
I didn't have it covered at the time, but I had to have it. And it was $323. And I just, I've remembered that number for a long time because it was such a shock to me. And, you know, at the time, you know, I was certainly, that's expensive to anybody, I would think. But mm. I mean, certainly to me at the time, I mean, to to have to pay for something like that and then make you struggle in your everyday life because of what it costs just was was really hard. And especially for my brother when he had moved to Minnesota and he had started a new job and didn't have insurance yet. Um, I mean, same for him. He was he was paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars just even, you know, for test strips. And I remember, you know, him telling me he had a ration his insulin because how is he going to, you know, afford to, to go get more, you know, or, or any of the supplies really. Um, and that's been a, a huge, a huge thing for a, well, I mean, for both of us, but, um, certainly something that's frustrating enough, I would say for anyone, but a huge part of even management, which is sad, right? That you would have to even second guess, you know, what am I going to do today? Because I can't afford what I need to live. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that it just shouldn't be an issue. And unfortunately it is. And I think it's even difficult to even hear stories like yours and Nick's because it is that condition that if you don't get it, there are almost immediate consequences. Mm -hmm. And for something like insulin that is made so cheaply to cost so much. And when you said hundreds, is that hundreds a month for, again, for people who don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so hundreds a month for sure. And that was just one bottle of insulin. So let's say, you know, my brother didn't even have insurance. He needs his insulin. He needs his test strips. He needs syringes. And so that would be a bill close to $500 just for a month supply, you know? And I remember even uh, I did have insurance and I would try to get more supplies or get, you know, my prescription increased so that I could give him supplies, you know, because he thought, oh, what if I, you know, run out of syringes or, you know, um, and it's just, it's scary really to think of it that way because, and I myself have, even, even though I do have insurance and, and pay a lot of money for my supplies still, I, I remember taking less insulin at times too, because I thought, well, shoot, I'm not going to, you know, make it the whole month and until I have to get another one and I can't afford it yet, you know? So it was certainly, um, certainly something that I, I didn't really think, I mean, I obviously took it for granted when my, you know, parents were paying for my supplies when I was younger and stuff. But, um, I thought, gosh, what, what an interesting other complication of diabetes, right? That you have to pay that much money and it can be life-threatening, obviously. I mean, you can't go that long without your insulin. Well, as if living with type one diabetes wasn't difficult enough, let alone having the the financial issues alongside it. Yes. Do you feel, Katie, that that whole issue in itself is part of the reason that Nick went into DKA? You know, thinking about it now, I 
Absolutely. I, I definitely think it was part of it. Um, I do remember at the time too, he, there was a, when he went into DKA, there was a hesitation of even getting him to a hospital because he didn't have insurance. And how sad is that? Right. I mean, like, oh my gosh, where can we take you because you don't have insurance and it's just going to cost so much money, you know, if, um, if we take you and, and there isn't, you know, that, um, that there's that cost to have to deal with. I mean, for that to even be a, a thought is scary and sad, obviously, because that, that shouldn't be something you have to worry about um, in an emergency. Absolutely not. Your only thought should be get to the hospital, get help straight away as soon as exactly. possible. Absolutely. What were the circumstances surrounding Nick going into DKA initially, had he been ill beforehand? Had he just had his bloods higher than normal? What was happening? Yeah, so pretty interesting sequence of events. Um, several weeks before he went into DKA, he had a flu. Um, he had you know, not felt well, but he got over the flu and, um, and was able to manage his blood sugars and uh, got over it. But then a, a couple weeks later, um, he kind of had similar symptoms. He was throwing up very dehydrated, didn't feel good, excessively thirsty. Um, and he had never had DKA before. Um, certainly I had, but, but kind of, like I said earlier, it, it wasn't something I talked about that much. It just sort of happened. I got over it. I was out of the hospital. I was okay. And we didn't really talk about it again. Um, so I think he probably didn't even have any idea that that's what it was. Um, so when he was that sick, I think him and his fiance thought, oh, it's, you know, another flu. Okay. You know, maybe this is a little more serious. Um, but it, it certainly, I mean, the, the whole story is, he ended up, you know, having a heart attack and and died um, from DKA, and he just he didn't get care quick enough. I mean, I who knows if if he had gotten to the hospital, if if he would have been fine, you know, and and walked out of there. Um, but I like to think that if he had gotten care sooner, that he might have, and and that's only from my experience because it had happened to me. You know, I had I've had DKA several times. I went to the hospital and survived, but he uh, he had a heart attack and um, and didn't make it. Where were you when you found this out? Were you were you back home? I was yes. So I was in California. I actually was. Um, at work. <laughs> and I remember his fiance calling me and telling me, um, she actually, she told me, you know, Nick's had a heart attack. And obviously I thought, oh my God, what? You know, I mean, he was extremely healthy. I mean, for the most part, you know, other than being type one, but healthy and really nothing else had been wrong. And um, she told me she had a heart attack and he's at the hospital and she actually said that they were going to perform this cooling method to help prevent brain swelling and any brain damage. Um, he was in a coma, but they would be essentially waking him up in a couple days. And I thought, Oh my 
God, I mean, obviously, you know, I was just, how, how could this be? You know, my gosh, what happened? I had just talked to him a, a couple nights before it, he had told me he didn't feel good. And I was, I was with a friend and I just, you know, had a con- quick conversation with him. Well, you know, call me when you get better. I love you. You know, talk to you soon. And just a couple of days later, I get this call And so when she told me about this, you know, this coma and that they would be waking him up, I thought, oh, my God, you know, I I need to get to him, you know. And uh, that first night, all I could think about was, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to get there. I want to be there before he wakes up so I can just give him hell and say, you're so dramatic. You know, what what did you just do? You know, and just... And just thought, you know, oh my gosh, I can't wait to give him a hard time, you know, for scaring us all. And and he just wants attention, you know, and trying to just think of some funny way to, you know, deal with this situation. And the next day, I actually, I actually went to work. Now that I think about it, I don't know why, but I, I went to work kind of I think wanting to explain to everybody what was going on and that I was going to be leaving, you know, going to Minnesota because Nick was in a coma and um, I couldn't have been at work for more than five minutes when his fiance called and said, you know, I just talked to the doctors and they said, there's nothing they can do. And I just was so confused. What do you mean there? you said he's going to, you know, be waking up. What are you talking about? Um, And there wasn't really much, you know, they just said he's had too much brain damage and they, his family needs to come. That's really kind of all I got at that time. Um, As you can imagine, I was pretty devastated and just trying to figure out how to get to him. Um, My parents were actually out of town. They were, on vacation, you know, in this, this area that doesn't have good reception, of course, you know, so trying to get a hold of them and it it was pretty chaotic. Um, but we, we did end up all of us going out to Minnesota and, um, you know, going to see him. And I, I remember going to the hospital and he just, he looked healthy. I mean, he, it was just so surprising to me. I mean, he didn't look terrible or, or anything, I, I guess, maybe you would expect um, or maybe what I was expecting. And it was just a real shock. And even the um, the doctors and nurses were, were just extremely surprised at how quickly everything had happened. Um, and we at the time really thought, well, God, it was the heart attack, you know, that that led to this, you know, but, um, after all of it, you know, the cause of death was actually DKA and that elevation and, uh, that caused the brain damage and, and led to him being in that coma and eventually passing away. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And like, first of all, I'm obviously extremely sorry that you even had to go through that. And the fact that you can come on a podcast and, kind of speak about the whole thing and raise awareness for it is is a is a beautiful thing and I appreciate you doing it. Thank you. And what was next for you then, Katie? Like if after all of this, how did you 
kind of cope with still continuing to manage your own, your own diabetes? You know, it really was this sense of realization of just how serious, obviously, I mean, that's probably an understatement, but um, just how serious that this disease is. And I almost, I, at the time, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this should have been me. This should have been me. This should have been me. I've been in DKA several times, you know, and I, I should have died, you know, not, not Nick. Nick has two young kids, you know, he was about to get married. I, you know, oh my gosh. And it was just this huge shock, but also a, a very big wake up call to say the least, you know, that I really can't take anything lightly. I mean, elevated blood sugars, you know, can lead to so many complications. And um, I certainly think after that, one of my biggest priorities, honestly, was making sure everybody knew this story, everybody around me, because look at what can happen. I just talked to Nick a couple days ago. He didn't feel good. He thought he had a flu. And now he's no longer here, you know, and I think raising that awareness was so important because I mean, not only because I have type one and yes, that could happen to me, but can you even believe that that can happen, you know, in general um, for type one. And so I was actually just supposed to get married in two months um, after Nick had died and my, you know, my fiance at the time, um, that was a huge, a huge learning experience for him as well. He was with us, you know, in, in Minnesota and he, he really experienced all of it with me. And I think making sure that everyone around me knew how important it was. Um, and, and even my parents, honestly, because I, again, it, it was almost like I had had this happen, but I'm okay, you know? And so I think the gravity of it was just so different and wanting everybody to know that this is way more serious than at least I ever thought, you know, and, um, and really just wanting to take care of myself in a much different way, because I thought, I almost just felt, my God, I'm just so lucky that that didn't ever happen to me, considering how long I've had type one and really mismanaged it for a, a good period of time. Um, and it really changed my life as far as my own management and making sure that other people knew just how serious it was. Hmm. Do you feel, Katie, that like from your 30 years experience now and, and everything that's happened in your life, do you feel that people overall from your own experience treat diabetes as seriously as they should? Definitely not. <laughs> mm. I, you know, I really feel like, and honestly, this is even with my own family. So obviously, and kind of thinking about it now too, when Nick died, no one had any idea what DKA was. If I said DK, Nick died from DKA, what? <laughs> you know, nobody had any clue. Um, and I even think 
just there's still so yes it's been my 30 years but how long has type 1 been around and there's still so much lack of knowledge from you know just the common public i guess of of what it is i mean i i know of there's been a lot of people on your podcast that you know the type 1 and type 2 but it's it's crazy to me that there are so many people that have either no idea what it is or have not even the slightest clue as to how serious it is. And not just with DKA, but even a low blood sugar too, you know, I mean, and I think that that has been my mission to really advocate for the seriousness of it, you know, and, and in a positive way, but, but certainly when I talk to people, especially about Nick's story, they just can't believe it. But again, I think that's because people are just so uneducated about it that um, it's so important to share our stories and and to make sure people know, especially, you know, like I said, the, the people around you, if your teachers should know, your roommates in college should know, your, you know, your spouse should certainly know how to take care of you. Your kids should know, you know, if, if you have kids. So it's, it's really a, a big opportunity for education. Yeah. And you're obviously doing an excellent job of that. And the article that I wrote on, or that I read on beyond type one that you wrote when I was going through that, it's really hard hitting and it's hard hitting and it's emotional. And I was reading it again today before the podcast and like, yes, basically tearing up reading it because it's so real and it's so close to home personally for me, obviously, and, and for you yourself. And I think it's important that, and even with my own podcast, like it's important that we're able to look at the positives of diabetes and we're able to look at the fact that we can live normal lives and we can do the things that we want to do, but it's also extremely important that we do deeply understand the severity of it. Absolutely. And sometimes I feel as if maybe somebody doesn't quite have that hold of the true understanding of how how potentially dangerous it can be. Absolutely. And, well, and Nick didn't. And I think that that's a perfect example. Um, you know, he, he only actually lived with it for a few years. I mean, he was 26 when he died and he only had type one for about four years and he had no idea. And he, he had type one. So imagine, you know, all the other people that that have no idea. So yeah, Mm. it is important. Absolutely. You obviously then Katie went on to create a scholarship in honor of Nick called California Dreamin' which benefits college-bound students with type 1 diabetes. So where did that come from? You know, so I have, I would say, had the privilege of sort of being connected to Beyond Type 1 and their platform. They were the ones that that had reached out to me to share my story about Nick. And once I did that, I really, you know, kind of started learning a lot more about them and their mission, education, advocacy, and they have such 
an incredible platform for that. And, um, and I would actually say they were one of the first ones resources for me too, that I found that was just very relatable, you know, stories of people with type one that actually you could, you know, learn about or, or relate to. And, um, they had this scholarship program, the diabetes scholars. And I really, I've, had a fundraiser before. I did a DKA awareness fundraiser a few years ago. Um, but once I saw this scholarship program, I thought, well, wow, that would be a really cool way to to honor Nick. You know, let's create a scholarship in his name and, and benefit, you know, some some students. And and certainly for, you know, college-bound students, as I talked about earlier, college was a really tough time for me. And I, I think it's it's a very life-changing time in your life when you go to college and you're not only dealing with, you know, all of all of the normal stuff of, you know, going away to school for the first time, but when you have this disease, you know, I mean, it, it is an incredible responsibility. And so I just thought, I mean, any anything to benefit, you know, a student um, or just give them, you know, the encouragement to pursue their education or or whatever it is that they are, um, you know, doing, but doing it with type one, uh, I would I would love to support that. So that is where the scholarship came from. And is there anywhere where anyone listening can find out more about it or get involved? Absolutely. Yeah. So in honor of Diabetes Awareness Month, I am hosting an in-person fundraiser. Um, I actually co-own a, a wine and craft beer bar with um, with another family whose son is type 1. Um, no way. And yes. <laughs> no way. So, cool. which is really, really cool. We've, we are deeply connected now. Um, and actually, one of the other owners, their, their nephews are type 1. So, there is some some deep roots in our, <laughs> in our type one uh, advocacy, but um, we are hosting a fundraiser actually this Saturday, November 20th. Um, obviously for all of those people that can't attend the fundraiser, um, you can go online. It is, um, you can find it on beyond type one at the California Dreamin. Uh, fundraiser event. Um, or there is also a link you know, on my social media, which is on Instagram, Katie P. Leslie. Um, I have a link there where people can donate online, but also just read about the story of myself. Um, there's certainly more about Nick and then um, my friend, George Bria, who is the son of the family I co-own the bar with. Um, he's currently a college student himself and so there, there's just so many connections to this event um so we're having a, a silent auction and a raffle and just trying to have a fun night and really you know kind of raise awareness for the cause celebrate diabetes awareness month and and hopefully benefit some students going to college love it i'll put all links and stuff below too so people can see all those sort of details and I will try and get a flight over to California for, oh, for lots of free wine and beer, Katie. Oh, I will buy yeah. all of your drinks, I promise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> please. Now, Katie, I know you listen to the podcast and I love that you listen to the podcast. Oh, and I know I that you're aware of the last question that I ask. Yes. And 
I was apprehensive to ask you this question, given the tragedy that's obviously occurred in your life. So before we pressed record, I made sure to ask you whether or not you were comfortable to answer this question because it's a tricky one sometimes. Yes. But you were happy to answer it, which I was delighted to hear. And here it is, Katie. If, <laughs> if you had the opportunity to thank diabetes for something, what would that be? So I've thought about this question every time I listen to your podcast. I I silently answer it to myself, you know, but um, but yes, kind of knowing this question was coming, it was almost kind of hard to think of of one thing, actually, um, because I do feel like type one has taught me so much. But if there was one thing, I would definitely say that it constantly reminds me not to take anything for granted. And and I think that is it, it means so many things to me at least. Um, but you know, not to take for granted, um, you know, that, that you have this disease and that you're living with it and, and able to live a, a happy, fun life with it. Um, but don't take, you know, even your loved ones for granted or your time with others for granted. Um, you know, and just being able to, truly learn from type one and, and don't take that for granted. Right. I mean, there's so many experiences that, that you can have and, and positive ones. Obviously I, I have a, a tragic story, but at the same time, I, it has connected me to so many people and, oh my gosh, even to be on this podcast is such, such an honor. Um, and I don't take that for granted. I mean, to, to even be able to, to share this story you know, with you and your listeners. And um, I think it's, it's just important to be thankful for everything in your life, whether it's good or bad. I love it. Beautifully put. Thank you, Katie. I really appreciate it. And, and again, what you're doing is a beautiful thing because you've turned something that's so tragic into a story and experience that can help inspire and help keep other people healthy so thanks so much for what you're doing we really appreciate it oh thank you and i really appreciate it and thanks for being on i'm, I'm sure i'll Absolutely. be chatting to you soon okay i hope so <laughs> thanks thank a lot you. take care of yourself you too thank you i want to just give another massive thank you to katie for coming on and telling us her story i, I can't even imagine how difficult it was and is experiencing something like that but i'm sure anyone listening is just like me. I really appreciate her coming on and telling her that story to help raise awareness around the potential dangers of DKA, because it is something that I feel is important for us to acknowledge. And I just want to highlight again, of course, we can keep things lighthearted around our management, especially on this podcast. I do it all the time. I make jokes and keep things lighthearted and focus on the positives a lot which is what I like to do. And I even joke about Graham having diabetes and, and hoping that he gets it. But we always need to be clued in to the importance of looking after our health with this condition because the reality of it is it's a very, very, very serious condition. And Katie almost beautifully highlighted that with her story so take these stories in and take these experiences in from guests that we have on the podcast and people that you speak to online or even friends that you know. Take it all in, take something from it 
and use it as something to benefit you or benefit somebody else. But always prioritize your health. In a way, it's kind of all we have. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for your ears. Thank you for your time. I'll chat to you next, 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 can't even speak. I will chat to you next week, every Wednesday, as you know. Mind those blood sugars, look after yourself, look after your health, and I'll chat to you soon.